Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Leadership Meets Life, where we are coaching leaders for maximum impact. I'm your host, Stan Rada, and this is episode 11. And episode 11 is the first of many upcoming church planter profiles uh, that I plan to do. Um, as you guys know, if you've been kind of following the, the podcast a little bit, you know that uh, our church, New Life, is very, uh, very much behind church planting. And so one of the things I thought would be really interesting to do is to go and talk to church planters, these entrepreneurs, these startup guys who are out kind of on the front lines of uh, starting up brand new churches and to kind of get some leadership perspective from them and how they lead in their environments of doing something brand new, uh, building something that has not existed before. And uh, so we are going to go down into uh, Columbia Heights, into the Washington, D.C. area, and we're going to spend a little bit of time with my friend Joel Pasmino. Uh, he recently completed New Life's Church Planter Residency Program. He was on staff with us for a little over a year, and uh, he was a great guy, great friend, and uh, very wise as well. And I think you're going to get a lot um, out of this episode and from what he says. Uh, so stay tuned because you're going to be able to uh, find out how to uh, kind of learn more about his story, uh, to connect with his church plant if you're interested in that kind of information as well, and also some great resources and a good uh, conversation on leadership and creating culture in a church planting environment. So stick around. Joel Pasmino is up next. All right, so I'm here with my friend Joel Pasmino. I've made the trip into uh, into the the motherland, D.C., and uh, to come and visit my friend Joel. And we just had lunch, Joel. Right? Where did we go to lunch? And pizza. And pizza, and that was very good. That was very, very good. Nice. You uh, you were showing me around where you live, and and pizza popped up, and that's we had to go have lunch at the pizza spot. Yes. So, um, Continuing the tradition of the best recommendation of food that this podcast on leadership brings you every week. So true. It was tacos a couple weeks ago, which you made fun of, and now it's pizza and ministry stuff. So, exactly. I mean, I feel, like, I feel like maybe that should be a thing. Maybe I should rename the podcast, you know, Ministry and Food or something. Leadership, I, leadership meets food. Leadership meets food. Maybe, yeah. that's what it, maybe that's what it should be. There's like a good cross-section of audiences i think so because you got like is. all like the leadership and church planters and then like the, the foodies that like right. are looking for podcasts I, and, perfect. and ministers have to eat too so i, I think i think that that's a great i think it's a good opportunity yep um all right joel so i wanted to come down here uh pick your brain a little bit um one of the things i was going to do with the podcast is uh throw out some church planter profiles do some uh, leadership stuff from that so uh, I thought I'd come down into uh, into DC, hang out with you for a little while, and chat. So, why don't you tell uh, tell my listeners um, a little bit about yourself? Give us your your background, your story, how you got to DC, and just give them some context. Sure, uh, real quick because it's long convoluted. Um, I'm originally from Ecuador. Uh, my, my my dad uh, used to work at a bank and retired early because he wanted to go into ministry. Uh, when I was in college in Ecuador, my dad planted a church there. And through some friends that we had, we ended up being asked to move to the United States to plant a church here to reach 
like the first generation of Latino immigrants that were coming into Maryland. Uh, that happened in 2006. I was still in college, so I ended up transferring to this very small liberal arts Lutheran school in Pennsylvania. Hmm. Um, did that for a year, and then just decided to stay in the country, helped my dad with his church. And during that, started up a, a small youth group for second-generation Latinos. So kids that either had were born here of Latino parents or had come here at a very young age and were more kind of like a different culture than what like a first-generation Latino would be. Started that youth ministry, and at some point in that, I just felt that uh, God was saying, like, this shouldn't just be a youth group, this should be a church. Uh, so, you know, that started the passion. I ended up joining the launch team of another church in Annapolis. And I was there for five years, ended up coming on staff there, getting ordained. And about, about three years ago, two and a half, three years ago, God kind of like turned on the church planting call again. <laughs> and at that point, you know, I was dating a girl very seriously who's now my wife. And we felt that like God was starting to, you know, Call us to plant the church. I've always loved the city. I uh, was born and grew up in a, in Guayaquil, which is a th- city of three million people mm. in Ecuador. So I've always loved the city. Always had a heart for that. In the process of that, I discovered the ministry of Tim Keller mm-hmm. and his vision for the city. His heart for the city really got used as well to light that fire. So I knew that I wanted to get back into the city. Um, and DC always had a special place. Like uh, the. the the place where I felt the first time that God was telling me that I should plant a church was right outside the city hmm. in, in Rockville, which is like right outside the, right, right outside the city. So yeah. I kind of like, you know, if I did a, ch- a church, it would be kind of like in, that, in, in this area. And yeah, God started opening some doors. We walked different neighborhoods in the city and, and not, not one neighborhood where we walked, we liked them, but didn't feel like, like home, like a place that we could live. And uh, I still remember we came to, to Columbia Heights where, where we're planting, got out of the car, walked into the street, and my wife and I looked, looked at each other, and I remember telling her, like, I think this could be it. And here we are, man. Like it, and, you know, we started reading, and it's the most diverse neighborhood in, in the city, so, like, the Hispanic population is high, but also, you know, African-American and also Anglo population is, like, a very good mix. Uh, it's the most... Uh, densely populated neighborhood in the city. So we have like 38,000 people uh, just in our neighborhood and about like, you know, 80,000, like a little bit just in like the surrounding area. So it's like, there's a lot of people here and we just felt that these were God when I started church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you and I were um, chatting. Let, let me let me get a little bit more context here real quick. You mentioned your wife. My uh-huh. wife's name is Megan. Yes. And let's, be, let's just be honest. She... She makes you look good, dude. And she you could plant this church without me. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She oh, could do it without definitely. you. I used to have a preach. Yeah, you just kind of, you're just, yeah. you're just kind of the visible, you know, cute piece. Exactly. You know, that's yeah, yeah that's all. So yeah, yeah I'm just here for my looks. Like my wife is the one. Yeah. Your wife, your wife has this thing going. Exactly. On. Um, yeah, Tim Keller, he's incredible. Um, amazing resource, amazing guy. Yeah, absolutely, he's he's very inspiring as well. So you and I, uh, we were um, spent some time. We just. Did kind of a Columbia Heights tour. <clears throat> you were showing me around. Um, this is my first time down here. Actually, mm-hmm. I mean, I've been in D.C., but my first time to Columbia mm-hmm. Heights specifically. So you were showing me around at some of the some of the diverse areas. You were just show, talking through some of those demographics and some of the things about about the area. And so we just got talking about um, uh, kind of what you're doing. And one of the questions I had thought um, to ask you that I'd sent you and just said, 
How do you, because a lot of what I talk about on the show is a lot of leadership principle things. And mm-hmm. so uh, when I was going to talk to you, uh, you don't technically have, I mean, you have a church, but you don't have like, you don't have this 150 person thing yet. You don't have like this big core team necessarily yet mm-hmm. either. And so one of the questions that came to my mind as I was thinking about our conversation was, how do you, how do you lead in that environment when there's not really anybody there yet mm-hmm. like there's not really anybody to lead yet i mean besides yourself your yeah. wife and all those things so um you and i started talking about that and you were saying some really interesting things about some of your uh the core values and the culture and stuff that you're trying to build into the church even before it really like exists for lack of a mm-hmm. better term i know it exists but yeah you know you have your people kind of moving forward so why don't you tell tell us a little bit about that kind of how you lead when um, in that environment as an entrepreneur, as a startup, as a this brand new thing when there's not a lot of people yet. T- tell me some of that stuff. That was good. Yeah, sure. So um, the one thing I would say is um, I look at it a lot like how your role in a relationship changes across time. So just for an example, like you lead your family right now, right? You have, you're married, you have kids, you lead your family. You didn't always lead your family. Like at some point, you and your wife were just friends. That was your role, that you were friends. Now that friendship then, you know, uh, successfully for you led into uh, a relationship right. which led to a marriage which led into a family. Like there, right. there's this process. Right. Uh, chances are that, well, I know a little bit of your story, so I know that like your wife knew she was gonna marry you the second she saw you, which is well, great for you. I mean, that's obvious. Okay, right? yeah. Let's just be. Yeah, but 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 most of the time in those types of situations, like you don't really know that at the beginning. Like you're right. just there and you just like the person, you enjoy their company, you wanna hang out. Right. And, and even though in a sense that like, we're here and and we have a vision that like, we want to plant this church, we know that this is where, where God's calling us. I, I feel like a lot of times. We, we would do better if we approach life in a neighborhood and life in the city like a relationship. So uh, we use this term that I didn't come up with. It. I, I ran a book, but like this, this concept of faithful presence. Uh, we're going to be here in this neighborhood and we just want to be good neighbors. And if, you know, out of this time that we've been here, if our, the people in our street on our block who knows us and who we know, they think, you know what, those, you know, that family, like Man and Joel, the guy that's like a pastor in the church, I like him. He's a nice guy. He helped me out when I needed this. He's always kind. That for me is a win. So we, we decided, you know what, we, we, we were doing a residency at New Life Christian Church where mm-hmm. you're staff. That's how we met. So I, we decided during that time that we're doing the residency, we're just going to try to be the best possible neighbors we can be. Now, that has like a little bit of larger implications because the way DC works, there's a lot of opportunities for you to volunteer, for you to serve, for you to do different things. So we ended up, we started volunteering at a local nonprofit and we started helping out, you know, doing things like uh, they were decorating a big Christmas tree for the whole neighborhood and we showed up to serve and we've just kept serving like to the point and, that and not coincidentally enough this group you started serving with we bumped into the executive director the executive director yeah. while we were walking around Columbia Heights yeah. and you guys had a conversation yeah. I met her and yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly so but we didn't make that relationship oh we're going to plant a church and we want to be in good terms with them or we want to like use that 
as a means to get people for lunch. No, no, no. We just wanted to be good neighbors. We wanted to serve. Like, Jesus comes as the one who serves. Like, the, one of the main passages for us is the, the idea in uh, John 1, 14, that the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Like, Jesus mm. changed his zip code and just walks among people and eats what we eat and that's what we do. So, right now, that's been our main goal. So, I know that my role will change as time goes by and even now, like, I'm starting to have to take more of a leadership thing in certain things. Even in the church, that we're starting to have public meetings. We're starting to, you know what I'm saying? Like, that right. changes. But but in my mind, like, I don't want to let necessarily that distract me from being present here in a very intentional manner to serve my neighborhood. So that was, like, the first thing that we did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that turned into being really more of a... That's definitely a, a core value of yours, it sounded like. The way you talked to me was this is just a core piece of who we are. Um, so before you even have, um, uh, in, in leading your church, before you even have like a vision or a mission statement or a whole bunch of, you know, quote, documents in place, mm-hmm. you've already got this kind of culture thing in place. And you, you kind of shared briefly with me, and, and you can get into this as much as you want or not want, but you kind of shared briefly with me this concept that you're wrestling with about how at some level, basically, culture trumps vision in that. And so maybe you want to tell us more, or talk to the listeners more about just that culture idea, creating culture and, and things like that. Sure. So um, you and I met because I was doing a church planting residency at New Life. I said that. Yep. And uh, one of the things that that church planting residency helped me was, okay, we want you to work on like the philosophical foundations of your church like what's the philosophy of ministry why do you want to do ministry and and coming into that like that language is very new to me hmm. like i didn't know what that was about like, it took me a little while to understand okay what why do we need core values why do we need a vision statement? but what i had before that was i had um for lack of a better word um specific theological convictions about what we should do Mm-hmm. So that verse, the word became flesh and blood and moved into a neighborhood. That's uh, John, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of John 1.14. Yeah. I knew, I absolutely knew that that was going to have to be a core part of what we're doing. Right. Okay? Um, the passage in uh, 1 Corinthians 14 where Paul is talking about, uh, you know, like speaking in tongues and prophesying towards the end of that section Paul says you know you should seek to prophesy because when you prophesy the non-believers among you uh, will hear the secrets of their hearts laid bare and they will fall into their knees and they will say God is truly among you and and that idea of people encountering the presence of God like I had no language for it yet but I knew that that was key to us um, in 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 um, in the epistles of John, when, when John says, we love because we loved him first. Like the idea that when you're confronted with the crucified Christ, like that's what the Holy Spirit uses to change. you like seeing Jesus crucified. Like hmm. I didn't have <clears throat> concept of values or philosophy, but I knew I had these logical convictions that were that I knew that were going to be key to what we were doing. And and, and what that, that space, it's kind of like helped me understand that. So, uh, you know, kind of like, I wrote some documents about that, but honestly, they're just paper. And what happened was that because those things, like those values that we had written and, and that, you know, mission statement or whatever, were built out of our theological convictions, it was stuff that we were living out. So, to give you an example, one of our values is presence. 
And it's it, the, the passage behind that is John 1.14. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus incarnated himself. And to a certain degree, the role of the church is to be the body of Christ. It's not just, you know, fancy language that Paul uses. Paul means that, like, the, the physical presence of Jesus is the church. So we knew that we had to incarnate our ministry as much as possible. Like, my original term for it was incarnational ministry. And my wife looked at me like I have four heads. Like, nobody is going to know what that means. So we changed it to presence. But that was the idea, right? So we were living that out. Like, even, like, the, the, the theological conviction led to whatever was on paper. But even without that, we were living that out. Right. And the whole idea of being present in neighborhood came out of that, right? Um, the, another huge value for us is something we call encounter, okay? And, and encounter comes from that passage in First Corinthians where Paul says, like, people fall into any idea that when the church is present, people can have the opportunity to have an encounter with God. And we saw that happen. So as we were present, we had conversations that wouldn't have happened if we weren't present. Conversation right. that wouldn't have happened if we hadn't made those relationships, if we hadn't been in the place that we did. We didn't seek those necessarily. We were just faithful to what we're doing, and then the Holy Spirit created more than that. Now, and and, and then another big uh, value for us is the concept of renewal, and the concept of renewal is is that God is really making all things new, and that if you have an encounter with God that transforms you, He's renewing your heart, He's renewing your mind. Hopefully, he's renewing your family. Like, hopefully, you fight less with your wife. And, like, you're more respectful. Like, like the, fruit, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. Like, the idea that God changes who you are and transforms you, right? right. And now, what we believe, and part of my understanding of the Scriptures, is that that renewal extends to the rest of life. So, that renewal happens in the block of your street. And that renewal happens in your neighborhood. And it's just a natural a byproduct of the person of the gospel that, that, that if love that, that if the love of Christ is present then truly something changes okay yeah. so now those were theological convictions that were put on paper but what happened is that as we're doing this and, and this concept right now has just been really made clear for me like in the last maybe two or three months uh, one of the things that we learned in the uh, in, in the residence is like a lot of churches have you know, this strategy. You know, it's like, uh, go, grow, go, or whatever, right? And everybody's right. like, it's always an alliteration of some sort. And it's, and and, it's, and the, the problem that I sometimes have with that, and if you do that, that's totally cool. I'm not criticizing. The problem I sometimes have with that is I basically, we're telling people, okay, you're, like, like, you know how you become a better Christian? You come to church, you volunteer in a service team, you tithe, and you invite people. And tithing is crucial. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. you don't yeah. do the other stuff with tithe. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> and, and, and I believe that you should come to church, and I believe that you should volunteer, and I believe you should tithe, uh, and I believe that you should invite people. But if we're honest, the Christian life is so much more than that. And, you know, all those things, they won't prepare you for when you get the call that it's cancer. Right. And they won't prepare you for when your husband walks in and says... I've been seeing my secretary for the last six months and I'm leaving you. Like, it, it, and I'm not saying that they're not important. I'm saying is like there's this, that life is infinitely more complex than that. And even like the Christian life is infinitely more complex. So I was always allergic to having like the, the three word strategy. Right. But as we were doing life in this neighborhood, I realized that God had given us this pattern of things to do. So, like, we have five core values in our church. They are love, uh, which 
self-explanatory. We have a value called story, which is about narrative theology, our understanding of the scriptures and how we play a role in that. And then it's basically um, presence, which I, I mentioned, encounter and renewal. And what I realized is that, oh, those last three values that I put on paper like a year ago for a deliverable that I had from a residency, that's our strategy. That's what we're going to be about. And we're going to be present. And as we're present, people are going to have encounters with God. And as people have encounters with God, people are going to be renewed. Spiritually, emotionally, and what are you going to see? Like, and yeah. that's what we're about. Now, and, and the point I, I was making to you earlier is that what I realized is that, you know, a lot of times you hear so much about vision. And like, you have to have vision. And like, what's your vision? What do you want to do? And I don't think, it's not like vision is not as important. Just for some reason, I, I had like a very hard time getting excited about that. Like, I mean, I, I want, I mean, we have a vision. Like, we want to, you know, be, you know, a church that reflects and transcends the diversity of our neighborhood and that seeks transforming encounters with God and then joins God in the renewal of our city. Like, that's our, our vision statement. So we have a vision statement. And I believe in those things. Mm -hmm. I'm more interested in these values because these values will translate into that vision. Yeah. And then I feel like a lot of times what happens is that we cast this huge picture of people. This is where we're going. And, and it sounds good because... It sounds good to our egos. Because it sounds so cool that I'm this visionary leader casting this big vision. And we think that somehow people get excited about that. And they might, but they might not. And I'm more interested in formation than hype. Hmm. And what I think that happens when we focus more on our values, when we focus more on developing our culture, is that that's the stuff that forms you. So it's not necessarily just motivated for this ambition. It's, oh, we're going to change the world. No, but we're going to do these things. Yeah. And as we do these things, God's going to move. Yeah. And we're going to see what happens. And it might translate into us being here, you know, for the next 50 years of our life, you know, with a church of 200 people. It might translate in this massive gospel multi-side weather movement. I have no idea. I, I, have, I have plans. We have stuff on paper. Like, we would love to plant other parishes in different parts of the neighborhood and we want to have a, a you know thriving congregation that lost people come they were like I, I want it's not like I don't want to do these things I don't think me just wanting to do these things when I do anything for those things I think that I need to be faithful to what I'm called like these three things right and if I'm faithful as faithful as I can be to these three things God's gonna take care of the rest yeah so that was like I, I don't know like it's not like I don't think the vision is not important but well, if we're just going at it like in the wrong order, maybe. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, out of all of that, I have two two other um, questions I've been thinking about for you. Um, <clears throat> one of those questions is, as a as an entrepreneur, as a startup guy, as somebody who starts new things, mm -hmm. what's um, one lesson learned maybe so far in the church planting process that you could share with people, or even even a statement of encouragement for, hey, if you're starting something new, be encouraged by, or here's something I've learned. That's one question. The other question is, um, what, uh, what resource would you recommend? What's, what's a resource that's made a um, kind of an impact in your, in your, um, 
in your journey to church planting and your you know formation of how to put all this together as you've kind of thought through things like what's a what's a resource um, that you could even point point our listeners to sure um, I have like three things so cut me off when I'm talking too long bring it on um, three is better I yeah mean, that's basically it's yeah. an outline to a sermon so yeah, it makes yeah. it more holy yeah anyway. exactly so um This only applies if you're a Christian, so I just want to put that out there. Uh, and if you're not a Christian, you should really consider becoming one. It's great. Uh, <laughs> my experience has been that 90% of the stuff is just grace. And it's unmerited favor from God. I, we could be here for like hours just telling my sort of how I ended up here, the doors that have been opened, the people that have helped us out, like the way that we just had favor from God. Mm. Yeah. And I don't think, looking at my life, that there's anything that says I deserve a lick of one of those things. And I can't take credit for that. And I meet some, a lot of guys that are like, struggling sometimes and it's like sometimes you feel guilty about it like you, you know what I'm saying like, yeah. like how many yeah. all these good things are happening and, 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 and all that is to say especially when it's a church like it's such a spiritual endeavor that it's really in God's hands like oh believe me you can screw it up like, like there's massive ways in which you screw it up but so much of it is just, it's just grace and if you rest in that, you're not going to feel that proud when the good stuff happens hmm. because it wasn't you. Yeah, that's good. And you're also, but, but your side is, sometimes you might not see like the results that you expected or the pace that you wanted. It's great. So just be thankful for what you have. And I, I don't know if that's encouraging or not. That, oh man, and they're, they're, I, no, there's nothing I can do to make it better. But like, the, the one thing I'm convinced over and over is how much of this is just grace and favor from God. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I, I, I would do is, um, my experience has been like, my main passion of all the things that you have to do in ministry is preaching and teaching. I love that. I love to be a communicator. I love to read. I love to prepare sermons. I love to organize thoughts. And I've been, and, and, the challenge I've gotten to do very little of that. And the the less I do of that, the more I sort of like dread my week. So what I realize is I have to take time. And even if I'm necessarily preaching a sermon right now, I have to read or research or, or, or like pretend I'm writing a sermon that I know have, may not have to preach in like three months, but like, and that kind of like gives me life. Mm -hmm. So chances are like a lot of times, at least in the beginning stages of something, you don't get to do as much of the thing that you're good at doing because you don't have to, you still should do it. Yeah. And that will like keep you motivated and keep your fuel going because it's important to you. Gotcha. Uh, so that's, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's <laughs> one thing that, that I would say. Um, the other thing, um, I, just because I know this in, in urban ministry, I this is like a very like liberal city, and you know I love the people in here, so I don't say that uh, in as a slide of any a slide of any sort. But I really thought that people were going to be much more confrontational with me because I was a pastor. 
And I was afraid every time I would bring up, I'm pastor, I'm planting a church, that people were going to say, oh, well, what do you think about this topic? Or do you think about this topic? And why are you, you know, voting this way? Whatever. Like, I thought it was... And most of the conversations I've had had been just curiosity. Like, people want to know more. Tell me more about that. You do. Oh, how do you do that? Like, and, and people that might not necessarily have any interest in like, going to a church, like, I had an atheist guy, like, the other night, like, tell me more about your church. Just because, like, I've never... I didn't know you could start a church. How does that happen? So... It was something that I, I learned being here. Like, I thought it was going to be... Now, that might not necessarily translate into people wanting to come to church on a Sunday or whatever, but at least those initial conversations, I'm much more relaxed now. Like, I thought it was going to be way more confrontational than I have been. Right. So is that. Um, these are, like, my three, like, lessons I've been thinking about. Later. Those are great. Yeah. It's very um, good. Yeah. As far as resources... Um, I definitely recommend the Leadership Meets Life podcast. Like, the best tips on where to eat tacos and pizza. I heard that there's a series about food trucks coming up. It's just like a great, great, great resource oh, uh, for anybody. Um, yeah. Uh, this is this is Joel's first and last time on the show. Yeah, I know. I'm never going to get invited again. Uh, <laughs> no, but, but um, the other side I would, I would say is um, there is a podcast. One of the churches and ministries that really shaped our approach is a church in, in New York City called Trinity Grace Church by, by a pastor named John Tyson. Hmm. And they are one of the pioneer churches of this concept of uh, neighborhood ministry and parishes. Like they would, I mean, they're kind of like maybe 1,800 people. It's like a large church, but they're, they're really like scattered all over the city in these small hmm. neighborhood parishes that meet every Sunday, and they all meet together like maybe once every few months. Um, and, and a lot of like that approach of like, we're going to take spiritual ownership for a very specific geographical territory and reach specifically these people and do life with these people. I mean, even though I live in this big city, my life really centers around maybe like this six block radius. And that's where I do life. And that's the people that I hang out with. That was inspired by them. And they just released a series of podcasts called um, The City Collective Podcast. Hmm. And it's and right now, like they just finished the first season and the first season is just the story of their church and the different lessons that they learned. And I, I hope this is a game intro. I inhale that thing like crack. Like I listen, <laughs> I listen to all of the podcasts in a day. Like I woke up in the morning and I saw it was coming, and I worked all day, and I just had the headphones in my head, and I did the whole thing, and it was like I felt like I was speaking to me, like I really did. And it was just the guy yeah. telling his story, but it's phenomenal. And for urban church planters, I cannot recommend that resource enough. Okay, like like listen to that, the City Collective podcast on on iTunes. I will add um, that into the uh, show notes for everybody that wants to go back and look. At yeah, that. yeah, and um, the other thing. Anybody ask me, like, what's the best book on leadership you've read? The best book on leadership I think I've read is a book. Well, wait. Let me ask you this question before you tell me the book. Yeah. What is your favorite – tell us how John Maxwell has absolutely transformed – your thought processes on leadership and how instrumental, we're, we're editing this out. How, I how, not, in, how instrumental he was to you? Because I know you're talking about oh, how great he is. Oh man! Right oh man! No, hey, this no. is this is what you get for the leadership meets life. Comedy, yeah, you, know? okay. you get you no. get a little thrown back your way. Mister Joe Maxwell, I I admire you a lot. I think you're a great, you're a great <laughs> thought leader and, he, and a speaker. He's not going to be listening. Oh, to okay. this, but. yeah. <laughs> no, we're editing that. Anyway, go, go for uh, it. The best I, the. Stan brought that up because I, I was telling him that I, 
I have a very hard time just reading like your typical like Jim Collins <laughs> right. leadership book. But uh, no, that there's nothing wrong with him. But uh, the best book on leadership I think I've read is a book called In the Plex uh, by a guy named Stephen. I don't know if it's Levy or Levi. It's L E V Y, and um, it's a book about the culture at Google. Uh, the guy basically was embedded at Google for about two years, and he tells mm. sort of how Google started, how they operate, how like the teams break off in meetings, how they were you know as successful as they as they were. And I read that book while I was in the discerning process of whether I should plant a church or not, and it really got me excited. Not necessarily about oh I want to build a multi-billion-dollar conglomerate that basically owns the planet, but but the idea of starting something like that startup right. culture. Like I think that. Um, like we use the term church plants, I think but feels like very organic, which I love it, but um the metaphor for our generation is more like startups, like like businesses coming for credit because that's what we see all the time. Like right. that's like the internet yeah. the internet language. And it kinda like helped me see church a little bit different in that sense of like starting this new thing from scratch and got really got me really, really excited about starting things and it also probably is one of the um one of the fundamental books that changed my perspective about how important culture is in, in a business. So mm-hmm. yeah, I cannot recommend the book enough. It's, okay. it's, it's a big, thick book, but it's a very entertaining read because you're like, he's telling you the story like he's very engaging as a writer. So it's, it cannot recommend that book enough. In okay. Plex. All right. So in the Plex, Stephen Levy, um, I will throw that in the, in the description as well. Um, so for those who are listening who may want to uh, either – uh, connect with you at some level, learn more about what you're doing, follow your, your startup, your church plan mm-hmm. thing. Um, may want to just be able to, some of the listeners who I know who are uh, ministers, pastors in other parts of the country, uh, they may either just want to kind of see from afar what you're doing or tap in, pray with you, whatever. Yeah. How can they get a hold of you, a website, social media? How can people find sure. you? Sure. So uh, we are about to uh, reveal the name of our church in the next couple of weeks. So it's still like top secret. Like after the podcast, I may or may not tell you depending on how this goes. Okay, we'll edit that. Yeah, out. okay. Right. So, cool. uh, But right now, uh, if you go on Facebook and you look out for the Columbia Heights Project, uh, that's us and just like our page and that's probably the best way to stay in touch with okay. everything we have a website that has like the basic information of what we do with more contact information that's just Columbia Heights with an S Heights project.com okay. uh, and if you want to follow me on Twitter I'm at Joel EC like EC from Ecuador I'm from Ecuador. Joel E.C. Yeah, Joel so yeah, that's the yeah Joel from Ecuador. That, that, that's okay. best way to get a hold of. Okay, yeah, I'll, awesome. I'll, I'll include those links as well, so people can get a hold of you, follow you, and, and see what you're up to. That brings up an interesting question: is your is your last name since you're from Ecuador technically pronounced Pazmino? That no, it makes me feel like that would be the English way of saying it. it is but the English way. Being from uh, from Ecuador, I would feel like it'd be more of like Paz or P- well. That is actually more from like Spain. Like the Z okay. is like Z. Okay. So in Ecuador, you pronounce the Z like an S. But the thing is that okay. my the N, it's actually an the, Ñ. It the has Ñ? like the, the tilde, like the screwing right. on top. Right. So my last name is Pasmiño. Pasmiño. But it was just... I didn't think it was worth having to explain that every single time. Yeah, I had a feeling. So I just... You know what? I'm going to make it easier for everybody. It's Pasmiño with an N. It's in everybody's keyboard. We can do it. 
and yeah, that's I basically I, changed my last name to that. I, I figured you did. I had a feeling yeah. whenever I was thinking about that, like that being from Ecuador and the way that name is spelled, I, I'm pretty sure it's not Pazmino. Yeah, that sounds like the the American like English way of uh, mm-hmm. of saying your name. All right, dude. Um, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks yeah. for having me into your uh, into your home and your neighborhood and showing me around. Yeah. So hopefully you'll get some hits from my my listenership. Come check you out. Definitely. Awesome. Right. Thanks, man. Cool. Yep, All you right. got it. Thanks to my friend Joel Pasmino for taking some time out of his schedule to spend a few minutes with me and talk church planting, leadership, culture. Uh, the Columbia Heights area. Hey, uh, definitely go and check him out. Uh, I've got his links that he talked about in this episode uh, listed below in the show notes, so go check that out. I've also included a link to the book uh, that he referenced in the Plex by Stephen Levy. Uh, That is also in the show notes as well, Uh, so go down and uh, check those out. Uh, Hey, thanks again, Joel, for taking time uh, to be with me. I really appreciate that, man, and I appreciate you being on the the podcast. Hey, if you're a regular listener of the show, thanks so much for taking time uh, out of your busy schedule to spend a few minutes with me and uh, hang out. I appreciate that. Uh, Feel free to jump on my website, stanrada.com. Would love to hear from you. Uh, Shoot me a quick message maybe even a question about, hey, I'd love to hear this topic uh, discussed on the show. Maybe you have a question. I'd love to hear from you on that. Uh, And if you subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, I would love for you to jump on there and uh, leave me a quick rating and a review as well. Uh, That will just help me to continue making improvements on uh, this show. So we'd love to hear from you guys there um, as well. All right. Thanks so much again for taking time uh, to spend with me here at uh, Leadership Meets Life podcast. I'll catch you guys next week for episode 12. Talk to you later.